0: Listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 221, Deep Purple Abandoned, Part 2. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, where we are bringing awareness to CHS, I am your host, Nathan Beaudry.
1: And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John, J.C.S.,
0: Matola, no JCS, Uh, CHS and JHS. What's uh, um, or JCS? Well, whatever. So yeah, I know a little bit about this from our (laughs) from our texts, but uh, tell the listeners what you were up to.
1: So the fiftieth anniversary uh, tour and cast reunion of the Jesus Christ Superstar movie came to my area, and um, I gotta say, like, uh, so lucky to have. Uh, Rich as a friend because I would not know about any of this stuff. If I didn't know him. <laughs> You're not dialed because, in. R- well, really, the thing is, is like, I mean, this stuff will come up as suggested activities on Facebook feed or whatever, but it's just like, I'll miss a lot of stuff and I'm not actively looking for things. And, um, you know, he just comes across this stuff and he came across it like months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was at a small uh, theater in um, East Greenwich, which is, um, you know, a cool uh, cool, uh, part of town, um, you know, kind of on the water, um, out here. And, um, yeah, it was great. So, um, you know, they, uh, place was packed. I mean, it was a small, it was small theater type of place. So, uh, but I mean, packed for the, the venue that it was. Um, and they had, um, they had, uh, Ted Neely who, um, uh, of course was Jesus. And then, uh, the two, the, um, now Larry T. Marshall was supposed to be there who played, Hmm. Um, Simon Zealots, and he was not. Oh, that's too And bad. there was no explanation. He was advertised as being there, when there's no explanation as to why he wasn't there. But I heard two people over overheard two people talking, saying, like, yeah, yeah, it's like, was really tried, but just couldn't make it out in time. Wow. So, that's too bad. whatever happened, that was disappointing because I was most interested to meet him. You were but- like, Could you
0: do your crazy dance?
1: <laughs> 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 but, um, also met the uh, the two guys that played, um, Annas and Caiaphas. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. And they Not couldn't have been nicer
0: about this Jesus of Nazareth.
1: And they, and, and they couldn't have been like really any different from the characters that they portrayed. <laughs> they weren't especially sniveling,
0: like, uh, uh, villains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, is like,
1: they had a table full of merch set up too. And like, I didn't realize like what a pair they promoted those two as because they were like, glossies on the table the two of them like posing together like back then like in their Mm -hmm. in their priest garb and stuff and it's just like wow these guys were like real duo yeah um but uh yeah they couldn't have been nicer they signed um they signed me and um me and rich's uh stuff i i bought the original album that i had uh, neely and carl anderson autographed 30 years ago yep and um you know they uh they signed it um i'll wait for um you know rich to tell his story about the uh, the cool autographs that he got uh cuz he can o- he can only tell it um our, our they, listeners they we're going like, to
0: have to wait too <laughs> cuz we don't have them yeah. on the line right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, gonna have, everybody's going to have to wait. Um but yeah, they couldn't have been nicer. They chatted with us for a little bit. Um um the 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 movie was unbelievable because they um they promoted it as a um uh well they had a little like uh, not a and a with the audience, but a and a with the guy that was running the event, the three of them got up on stage and they kind of told a couple of stories and, you know, chatted with the, you know, chatted with each other. And then they showed this print, which the guy that ran the event said, uh, was a, a print from France, which was like the best. Like print that they've oh, been able to find. Like, like the quality was just really good. Yeah, the, and the, and I, I honestly have never seen, I've never seen it on the big screen. I've only seen it like on, you know, VHS DVD, whatever. Um, hands down, the best quality print I've seen. Like, it, you know, if it wasn't for the afros and stuff, you would have <laughs> thought it was shot the other day. Like, it was, like, crystal clear. It was beautiful. And, like, it was such an experience to see it as, is like, when – when like Carl Anderson, like got got out of the bus at the beginning and the crowd was cheering. like when the the first shot of Ted Neely or like when, uh, when uh, Barry Denon turned around with the big glasses (laughs) and it was, so it was like being at a concert or something like after like the, like the songs in between songs, like people were cheering and like shouting stuff out. And it was like, it was a a really different cool experience. Like I hadn't been to a, a screening of something like that in a really long time. Um, And then afterwards, you know, we waited in line to see Ted and it was very um, organized. And, um, uh, you know, uh, he had like a backdrop behind him and they had some security guards up there. And they, you know, took took your phone, took a couple of pictures. And then, uh, you know, he signed some stuff. So I had the album and um, I had him sign under his original autograph on my album. (laughs) You have
0: a six signature twice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but but I had him do it in gold marker gold for mm. the 50th anniversary. Mm. Um and so un- next to his original sig- signature he put 93 oh. and then under it he wrote dot 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 and now Ted oh, that's awesome. <laughs> which was great. And um and then I I blew up a picture of me and him from that show of Providence Performing Arts 30 years ago and I told him I said these are like, you know, these two things are really special to me. I said, this is when I met you when I was just a kid or whatever. And I would like really love it if you signed this picture of us. And so he's like, oh yeah, sure. And so he signed it really great guy, really nice. And so then I walked away and while he was walking away, he was, you know, Rich was having his turn to meet him and the security guards were grabbing the picture and there's oh wow, there's that picture is. So it's like, yeah, yeah, this is me and Ted, like, you know, back then. And they're like, Hey, is that P-Pack? And they're just like, "Yeah, I recognize that oh. <laughs> that wall. I recognize that thermostat." And they're they're like obsessed with like where the picture was taken, and not the fact that it was like me and him from like a long time ago. They're just like, "Oh yeah, there's a, there's a
0: picture of something over that door now." And they're like <laughs> you should be like, "Could you sign uh could you sign where the thermostat is in this picture?"
1: but it was just so funny. They were like obsessed with how different backstage at PPAC looked, as opposed to the fact that it was like a picture of like me and Ted Neely from like 30 years ago. But, (laughs) um, but, um, yeah, it was, um, it was a really, um, it was a really cool, um, a really cool event, uh, to go to. I would highly recommend to anybody that loves the movie. Um, if it comes to you and they're doing like really, small, like, I i feel like small markets, meaning like, um, I think they were in, um, um, somewhere, somewhere in New Hampshire, like they're not doing like big towns. Yeah. They the were, next like, day Oli- they were in
0: New Hampshire. Cause they, they posted, he posted something on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Where it, it was, um, Carl Anderson, like, like in up and up in Ted Neely's face. And it says, Rhode Island, they're waiting for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I sent that to you guys. And then I noticed like the next morning he already had one with New Hampshire written into the lyrics. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: But uh, but it's like they're doing kind of more um, outside the big cities, like instead of Boston, uh, Boston, they did Arlington. Yeah. Um, which is like, which, which is great because you don't have to go there. into the
0: city and find parking. It's oh, yeah, actually exactly. works out great.
1: Yeah, East Greenwich instead of Providence. And I mean, I feel like they're doing like, a, and the the area in East Greenwich too is, is like a really kind of happening area. Uh, like um, we were able to walk out of the theater and just, you know, walk somewhere for drinks and, you know, we we're able to grab drinks and some dinner beforehand and just walk everywhere, a very walkable place. So I feel like they're, um, you know, the the places they're going are very cool areas. So I would uh, highly recommend if it's coming in anybody's city and you really like the... uh um, you know, the movie to go see it. I'll uh, uh, just alone for the, for the print of it. Um, yeah, I, look. I, will I, say I It didn't even occur to me to look to see if he's coming around here. Yeah, you should. Uh, the demographic though, is definitely like black and white polka dotted shirt. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I was saying, like I looked around and and I mean, it makes sense too, because I mean, Neely is like 80 now.
0: Yeah. So right. You Cause he was that- a little bit older.
1: Yeah. Well, he was, he was 50 when I met him and he was 30 when he made the movie. So you figured that all the people that probably grew up with the movie, they're like, you know, in their eighties now. So when you look, you look around and you see a lot of elderly people, they're like, you know, rocking out to the, like, yeah, that used to be me when I was a hippie. Like I used to look like that. <laughs> it just kind of yeah. blows your mind.
0: But <laughs> more is, I, I, he posts all the time and it doesn't say anything yeah. about anything in this area yet. So I'm sure he'll, um, he'll have an update. So Yeah.
1: But the but regardless, the crowd was very diverse, very enthusiastic. Um, it was a very very cool event. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm jealous. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your uh, what's your
0: initials? Oh, CHS. Um, CHS disease. Um, oh, oh disease. Was... Oh,
1: that's not uplifting at all. <laughs>
0: It actually is. So I was—I took my daughter to her water polo game right before we—we. We, um, I didn't realize she had a game because she has a game tomorrow, as well, uh, and mm-hmm. it wasn't on the calendar. But we realized there was a game, so I took her to the game. And a lot of like the parents and grandparents come. So there were these grandparents here, and the guy said had a shirt on that says, "I suffer from CHS, can't hear shit." <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, it's great that he wore that to the, the water polo game. And I immediately <laughs> thought of you because I'm like, that's something John would wear when he was a, when he was a grandfather, uh, Grandpa Matola, um, Yeah, oh, that's it. Or, that, that's my whole story. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Or something that I'd like if, uh, if I was out there visiting you and you're like, hey, we got to go to my daughter's thing first. I'd wear it now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or like my "Don't Give a Shit" T shirt, TGS. Yeah. I oh. saw DGS. Don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. If you want to support our show, uh, we are 100% listener supported and ad free. So if you receive value for the show. Um, Consider giving us some value back. You can do so in a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can buy some merch at our Etsy store, and you can also become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. All the money goes back into the show. Helps us, uh, keeps us in new things. We were, after the last episode, we were thinking I might need to buy a new <laughs> sound device. But hopefully, knock on wood, it's it's fixed now with a with a firmware update. Um but yeah, we, all of that stuff goes back into the show. We buy albums, we buy uh, we buy tickets to go see shows and review them, and all that sort of fun stuff. Uh, you can also donate on Cash App at dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi if you are so uh, inclined. Um, uh, we are going to be at the Glen Hughes show in September in Worcester, Scenic Worcester, Massachusetts, the Paris of the '80s. Uh, come visit us there at the Palladium uh, if you want to meet up before the show. There's going to be a number of us uh, going to be there. Uh, we're going to uh, the Gardeau is going to be there. The Roback Rich, um, you and I, uh, the the oft referred to Jaime. Uh, uh, Peter's friend, Steve patron, Steve Coldwell is coming. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a real good meetup. So come meet up with us yeah. if you can, or in your, if you're in the area. Uh, yeah, yeah. Didn't you
1: say that, um, that like back in November, Steve Coldwell possibly saw me at like a show. Oh yeah,
0: He said, he said, he asked if you were, uh, where was it? Um,
1: it was, it was the, uh, it was the wasp show in, uh, the, uh, in Boston. I yeah. think at the, the venue under the TD garden. I can't remember um, what that's called, it was like a a club, but it's, it was part of that building.
0: Yeah. And apparently he was sitting the next table over from you at the restaurant before the show. So,
1: like I said, I wouldn't, I didn't, (laughs) I wouldn't have known. Um, but yeah, we went out, I went out and we had some, uh, you know, drinks and I think a, a couple of appetizers or whatever with a couple of friends and then walked over, uh, later. And, um, yeah, no, I just still haven't been, uh, still haven't been recognized, uh, from the, Recognized and acknowledged. Yeah. Being a, hey, <laughs> yeah. Steve, John you would have made his day. You would have
0: been like, hey, hey, are you John from the Deep Purple? That would have been better even if he told, didn't tell you who he was. Just some <laughs> random guy, not even a patron. <laughs> oh my God. Will you take a picture with me? Everyone at the table with you would have been like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was, um, that was me. Yeah. Well, you'll we'll get to, you'll we'll, we'll get to acknowledge you in person, uh, soon. So I'm looking forward to it. Hey, good to see you again. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of uh, patrons, uh, <laughs> at the executive level tier, at the twenty-five-dollar uncommon man tier, we have Ovis Nokvi and Purple Maniac. At the fifteen squid tier, we have, of course, none other than Alan. <laughs> At the 10-pound good doctor tier, we have Dr. Jill Brees and Dr. Mike Catan. At the turn it up to $11 tier, Clay Wombacher, Frank Thielgard mortensen Mikkelstein, Will Porter, Ph.D.P.P. And at the $10 someone came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, and Better Call Saul Evans. And the hughes by 2033 tier, Fielding Fowler. And then, of course, at the In Memoriam tier, Gerald, Jerry, Kelly, and family. Thank you so much for all of your support. Okay so um, yeah before we uh, move on we have a couple of uh, a uh, couple things to to tend to and of course what's um, almost in every episode uh, thing we have postcards from the edge of Connecticut uh, this time uh, this time we have actually it's not from Connecticut but it is from looks like Coney Island. Mm-hmm. But it's actually from Worcester, Mass. And um, this one says, Hey, Nate, here's some gastric distress for you. And it's a picture of the Coney <laughs> Island hot dogs sign. Oh, he's not wrong. Um, it, it says, uh, uh, Not horning in on the Gardo's action, but we went to this Worcester legend for lunch after my daughter's high school graduation. And while I was looking at this postcard, Superstar started blasting on the jukebox. It seemed Ooh. like fate. Signed none other than Steve Coldwell, who we were just talking about. So, Steve and Coldwell. Superstar,
1: which I was just talking about.
0: He's coming for you, He just has to send 65 more postcards and he's going to pull into the lead. <laughs> He's gonna Gardo is gonna start sending them unmasked now. So thank you so much for the postcard. It's always great. I, I I've I've received more postcards in my life because of this show than for any other reason. Um, now when I went in a good thirty year drought of getting any sort of postcards in the mail. So much appreciated. Yeah, me too. I got about like three <laughs> in your whole life.
1: <laughs> no, I mean because of the show. You get you get all of them. Yeah. Like yeah. I got I got a couple a couple from Scott and a couple from Gardo. All but right. like most of them get sent to you.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Must be something about I think it's because they get my address well, uh, yeah. <laughs> for other reasons. So uh you'll have to just you'll have to put out a blast and email to all of our patrons with your address just in case anyone wants to send a postcard. Um so um yeah, and uh, uh something we haven't been able to do in a in a while, but uh Hey, Hey we have a uh, a five star Apple review. This one comes to us from SDMF Biker from the U.S. Five stars. Subject line is just listen, says these guys are great. It's just them riffing and their opinions. Very interesting and more importantly, entertaining with many exclamation points. So thank you, SDMF Biker. I appreciate it. Right. Always good to get a new a new review. And uh, yeah. I, w- I will tell you, it is not the 100th review, but we're getting close to the 100th review. And we we revealed soon that if we get a 100th review, we'll we'll do something for the special for the person who writes the the 100th unique review. So if you redo a review, it won't count because it's already in there under your Apple ID and it will just kind of r- erase your last review and change it with the new one. So um, so make sure it's a it's a unique one. Um, one other little thing, a uh, Craig, uh, one of our listeners writes in, uh, with an interesting fact about Ronnie Gio, uh, Ronnie James Dio's pants from an auction. Uh, I'm sorry, from live in Munich, a friend of his purchased them at an auction. So his friend actually owns the original Ronnie G- James Dio pants that we were talking about with the moon oh, and the star the, and
1: everything. The star and the moon.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. So, I love that. Um, I, I think I wrote back and asked for a pick, but I haven't seen anything yet. Cause I would love to see it. Um, is that it or we feel like we're missing something? A lot of a lot of little housekeeping things to keep up with this week. Um but yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much everything. Um last week we left you off after six tracks on abandon and we're back to finish it off, baby. We're going to finish off the final six tracks and uh you know, go through our normal album review uh I don't know, song and dance or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it was uh, uh, it was Father's Day la- um, a couple weekends ago. But mm-hmm. I got my gift very late because it was like we were we were traveling during the thing. So a few, it was a few days later that I got it And in there were two Scandinavian delights, Nordic sweets. Um, this one is a product of Denmark and it is. Um, so. Salmiak sticks. It looks like salty licorice sticks. And then this one is like licorice Swedish fish. So I'm very excited about getting into those. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to crack into these during the episode. So a Swedish and a, a, a Danish delight for my episode. John's like cringing over there because mm. he doesn't like licorice. No, but for me, it's, this is, this is like a dream come true. So to all my, to all our Karsten, La, our Karsten Lows and our uh, Johnny Headlands out there, um, Bon appétit! If you guys like this stuff, bon appétit! Or what's the what's the Swedish of uh, what's the French to Swedish for uh, bon appétit in Swedish? I'll have to look it up later. All right. So, do you remember where we left off? Remember how you're feeling about this album? You feeling good about it? I think for the most part, yeah. I mean, we
1: had some we had some good ratings and we had some lukewarm ratings. Um, so I think, yeah, overall, the um, I don't think it's as um, as strong out of the gate as perpendicular, uh, that, Mm -hmm. that album seemed to have a renewed freshness to it. Um, but I mean, this one is like, the sound is a little different. Music's a little heavier so far side one's been a little inconsistent. They came out like really hot out of the gate. And then I think that my ratings started to dip a little bit. Yeah. Um, but hopefully side two will, will show us some, uh,
0: you know, maybe a little bit of an upswing. Yeah, hopefully we'll get back uh, back on track. But uh yeah, it was it was looking pretty good so far. We had some really strong tracks on there. So, uh let's let's pick it up. The next track is uh the 7th track on the album here, and it is entitled Jack Ruby. Let's try that again, but I'll put the volume up this time so that you can actually hear it. <laughs> Just a, it's a little tricks of the trade that you learn when you're a podcaster. All right, Jack Ruby.
2: Nice. no
3: expertise, no self
2: smile,
0: very cool groove. Yeah, like a standard 145 blues it sounds like. But groove them. Kind of reminds me of the beginning
1: Facing of uh, Never Before. Oh yeah. From Machine head.
2: Just like Jack Groove
1: Gillen still sounding really good.
0: Nice. I didn't plan that. (laughs) I've got panache just like Jack Ruby. and John Lord's presence on this album. It Definitely. Seems. Is it weird writing a song about Jack Ruby? Who's that again? You know, the guy who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. That's it, okay. You know, Oswald! <laughs>
1: had to jog my memory a little bit.
0: Struggling to think of what he's going for in this one. (laughs) Right on the money, I guess. you with that one note for so long wow powerful a powerful song Mm. but Jack Ruby but he talks about you know no dark conspiracies and all this sort of stuff so, is he just writing a song? I, I don't, he's comparing himself to J- Jack Ruby. I don't know. I don't know if there's oh, something okay. obvious that I'm missing here, but it's just kind of I don't know, funny. This salty licorice is so salty. I don't know if I can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oof. Oh, uh, yes. I'm dying. I'm going to try this other one. But while I do that, why don't you uh, tell me what your uh, uh, what your ranking is for the song? You got some water there to hydrate. I do. I got water, beer. I don't know if I have all enough right, now after tasting that. But <laughs> um, all right, Jack Ruby. Um,
1: I'll give it a three. Um, I I thought it was good. Um, I, I thought I had a good groove at the beginning. The groove reminded me of the groove at the beginning of, uh, like I said, never before mm-hmm. on machine head. So kind of cool that there are a few things here and there on the album so far that are reminding me of classic purple. I like how even previous to this perpendicular had some moments in it where I remember we were like, yeah, this is like elements of classic purple that we haven't heard in a while. So that's mm-hmm. good that they're kind of getting back to that, whether intentional or not. Um, I really, um, I enjoyed the solos a lot too. I like you enjoyed the presence of John Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another great solo by Morris. I think Morris is like MVP of the album so far, like really enjoying like what he's doing on here.
0: Yeah. And I um, would say, I I agree. And I would say, but I would also say that this is probably the best John Lord album since the seventies. I can't remember if I mentioned that last time, but just his presence is so much more, up front, yeah. then we're exactly where I want it versus the past, whatever, uh, 20 Several years levels. or 10 years or however long it was that I felt like he was underutilized. Yeah. So, um, I'll give this one a 3.5. Mm. I like it. I mean, it's, it's not, um, breaking a ton of new ground, but it's, you know, it's kind of the, it's the best kind of lazy blues song in that it's like, it's, it's got a lot of energy and everything behind it, but it's, it is just, it's, it's a standard kind of blues progression.
1: Um, Yeah, I I was straddling the line between a three, 3.5 because I, like, you know, I said Gillen's vocals are uh, great. You know, he sounded really good, but it's, um, I just feel like the, the verses in the song um, are just kind of... um, the song overall doesn't uh, really do a lot for me. I think it's just like uh, aspects of the song, uh, the the solos, uh, Gillen, the, mm-hmm. the the kind of groove. So, uh, you know, not the overall song or the, the energy in it, although it was it was pretty good.
0: Yep. Uh, the original title for this was uh, Poughkeepsie Jam, and this is the one that was something they had worked on. Uh, during the House of Blue Light sessions, and they kind of revived it for this. Um, And I should say, I should have said this before we started with the songs, but there is also a studio report from Roger Glover. This is the, it's titled The Second Studio Report, 1997, even though it's the third one. Um, He writes, studio work is in pause mode. 12 songs are on the wing. The backing tracks are shut up in cardboard boxes and stacked on a shelf somewhere, patiently awaiting completion. There are several album titles. More than that, I cannot add other than stating that the gigs we just played in Atlanta, Orlando, Pompano Beach, Myrtle Beach, New Orleans, and Chicago, where Steve married Jackie on stage, congratulations, were more fun than should be allowed. And it should be mentioned, there is a bootleg of that where he actually did marry his wife on stage uh, at the Chicago show, which was pretty cool. Uh, two new songs were um, were debuted uh, any fool know that in Seventh Heaven. The former needs more work and was dropped, but is promising, the latter has turned into a live song that is just a treat to play. My family let me back in the house accidentally, I think. Thank you for all your support. It would be all for nothing if you weren't there. Hark, I hear the sound of bells. It's that time of year again. Good luck and merry be RG. So this was what he wrote as they were breaking for Christmas and New Year before they would reconvene in the studio in January. All right, the next track up is entitled She Was She Was What? I don't know. I guess we're about to find find out. out. Very heavy. bigger this. Sounds like it could
1: be a Dio track almost. I was thinking it was almost sounded like a Gillen song, like a Gillen band song. Yeah.
0: thinking of me. It's like, this is his, like, I ought to know. (laughs) It's great. Nice. It's just, just a reminder that we're Awesome, you know, in case you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> just a
1: reminder that John Lord is still here and he's a force to be reckoned with.
0: Another harkening back to, like, early Purple. Uh, Speed King, almost, and just, like, those songs where they would completely change the mood when they go into the solo section.
1: they're kind of dueling back and forth a little bit sharing the solo spot
0: yeah trading off every four bars or whatever overall a pretty simple arrangement but really yeah great solo section
2: she she
1: like they fill in some of that space. During the verses, yeah.
0: I love that ending. How they <laughs> they played that like it's it wow. reminds me of that like the bullfrog riff, like almost yeah. sped up, and they play it once with the band, and then once solo, and it's just over. It's pretty great. Mm. All right, she was John. What was she? Um, uh, she was a
1: four. All right. I don't know if, um, I feel like that might be surprising because I feel like the, the song is similar, uh, maybe in structure to some of the other songs, but this one just had that something.
2: Yep.
1: Um, I think it, it was, um, it was really simple. It was, uh, it was heavy. Um, I think it was, um, it was a, a successful, uh, songwriting, uh, attempt there by, uh, the band and, and Gillen's vocals. Um, it, it wasn't uh, just a, a standard verse chorus type of thing. He was just kind of felt like he was kind of riffing in the middle of it. And he's, uh, you know, putting a little uh, emotion in there and kind of, uh, you know, singing like almost, almost like uh like a, this kind of sensual type singing and I don't know. And he's, it sounded like a, like a Gillen band track to me a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if he had a lot of influence over how the songs were being arranged, but you know, the, um, the overall arrangement was, uh, obviously that, that middle part was very, uh, classic, uh, deep purple, uh, style. Um, and I don't know. I just think it was a great, uh, cool, interesting, heavy, like groovy type of song. Like I, I really liked it.
0: And lyrically, it's very interesting, too, because it's almost like he's singing it from two points of view. He's saying, like, you know, she's lovable, she's untouchable, all this stuff, like he's thinking about a woman, but then he's being like, who were you with last night? Is that coming from his wife or <laughs> whatever yeah. t- towards him? And he was thinking of this, you know, you were you thinking of me? Were you thinking of me? All this unforgivable sin and all this sort of stuff. So it's like almost like he's, I don't know if he's switching points of view, on purpose, accidentally, or what it is. Um, but then, you know, he's kind of, you know, what are you thinking of me? What are you thinking of me when you... You know, the Alanis <laughs> Morissette thing. What do you think of that impression, John? <laughs> <laughs> Down on you in a theater. No? I, I,
1: I, you know what I think? I think I've had enough of that woman. <laughs> that woman? <one. laughs>
0: <laughs> you had you had enough of that woman in 1995
1: <laughs> yeah she was she was really angry for a song or two and then and then it was fine
0: but then she was like uh thank you thank you thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was even worse yeah I can't, it's very hard <laughs> to do that little yodeling thing she does yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you sound like you're
1: like somebody like uh, i don't know like tickled you or something or punched you
0: in the gut (laughs) tickled you or punched you in the gut one of the two like lightly (laughs) a
1: little
0: little light punch this is yeah this is this is gillen's you ought to know i'm sticking with that but despite (laughs) that i'm giving it a four as well i really like it i i love it's it's nice and heavy it's good quick track great solos Lyrically, very interesting. Um, yeah. Um, well, what else do I have about this song? I'm losing my track here. So this one, what, um, this one was originally titled "Dirty Water." Um, Glover also mentions that he can't rema- remember if they changed the title. Um, from that to she was immediately or if it was briefly called untouchable. Uh, but he thinks it was, it might've been called untouchable at some point. Um, Glover toyed around with playing the slap bass on this track. So it would have been back to flee Go- Glover and that, but he did not do that. Um, and he says that after recording bass for the song on November 14th, 1997, um, he, he said he started to get the first feeling, that kind of idea of what this album was going to be like when it was finished. So uh, hmm. he felt like it was all coming together at that point. So Okay, so I don't know who she was, but the next I don't know what her name was, but the next track is what's her name?
1: Just went right into it. Didn't waste any time. It's like, we don't, yeah, we we got no time to waste
0: here. We got to get right into the damn song. To the meat of it. Kind of a weird time signature thing there, too. Or maybe not. I so never felt the need to soothe her savage breast. That's what I thought I heard. I so, so if you're Gillen's wife and you're <laughs> you're listening to these two songs, like, hey, what's going on? Let's have a talk. You know, savage what? Here we go again. Here we go again. No, no, I was making uh, my famous uh, chicken piccata for the band. Bit of a proggy break there before the solo. because lord came in and did a lot of these solos after the fact but it sounds so organic like organic. it was it were really meant to be yeah What's-Her-Name's back in town. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was cool. Like, harmonized guitars in, like, both different channels. I like that. So it sounds like a church organ coming in at the end there. Almost. Cool. Almost. What do you uh think of what's her name? Uh, I give what's her name. Uh what's 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 her rating? What's her
1: rating? Um, I, I give it a three. Um, I thought it had a lot of good stuff in it. Um, but I think that um overall it was um I I hate to say filler tracks just because it's um it wasn't uh, there wasn't anything objectionable about it it's I don't know if it was certainly wasn't boring um I just think it was average good yeah uh, for this album like it was just a just a nice album track I guess you could say um I, I think that now they just they they have a lot of the same formula going you know what I mean like they um and it's not like you got to do a ton of different edgy type of stuff to keep things interesting, but it's like, I feel like they you know, the verse and the chorus are just kind of, um, very similar to, um, a lot of what's come before. So the, the, you know, I'd probably have to hear the, the whole album a few more times to kind of help me differentiate like what's what, but they seem to be following a similar, similar formula for everything, which, um, isn't necessarily bad, but, um, I would say one of the things that's impressing me most about this is just how just almost like time machine Gillen's vocals are Mm -hmm. like, I mean, they're, they're very um, um, consistently produced and, you know, using the same production, like effects and everything. But just like the way he's singing, it's almost like he went back in time, like 15 years and he's just, you know, sounds like,
0: you know, early eighties Gillen, which is, which is great. He sounds great. Yeah, I mean, he might even sound yeah. better than he does on Perpendicular. Um, I I think so. Yeah. Like I
1: mean, and he sounded great on on Perpendicular oh, yeah. too. But this was almost like, like there was there was like Perpendicular like never happened or, uh, the or the battle rages on or whatever. He just kind of picked right up from his his prime, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, in the studio, anyways, he was sounding really really good.
0: The working title for this one is F sharp Trudge um <laughs> uh Glover did the bass tracks on november fifth nineteen ninety seven and he says that day he received in quotes, the Episode 6 CD. And he says, it sounds brilliant considering it was recorded straight off the radio and it brings back a lot of memories. So based on the timeline of when he's writing this, I figured out it must be Episode 6, the Radio 1 Club Sessions Live, 1968-69. Um, so interesting that he, you know, he's kind of taking a walk down memory lane listening to old Episode 6 stuff while he's mm. uh, recording this. Um, according to Glover, Morse put extra effects on the song by hitting his guitar with a bass drum beater, strange bits of metal and other objects. So hmm. interesting to think that's what they were, they were doing. I didn't really hear anything that stood out as being anything crazy like that, but I'd have to listen to it again.
1: Oh, I think it's cool that at that time they were still experimenting with sounds and production techniques and, you know, not just, Phoning it in, but it sounds like they were having fun and trying to do stuff. Yeah. Not just being like, we're, we're going to record an album, you know. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to go record an album. <laughs> <a> blue Light. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, by the way, I give this one a three as well. I forgot to mention that. Ah, yes.
1: That's, <laughs> we almost forgot. Yes. Nate's rating. For all the reasons that you stated. Or a Nate rating, or we
0: call it a Nating. A Nating, exactly. So <laughs> the next track up is called. Uh, heyo, 69 <laughs> oh. 69, dude Too-, Too
1: obvious Low-hanging fruit Yep Heyo Get it? <laughs>
0: Low-hanging fruit <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. Oh. We're, do- <laughs> We're a couple of dummies
0: Yeah. So this is named oh, 69, yeah. not because of 69, not because of low hanging fruit. But this is them remembering lyrically about 69, which, like we were just talking about, their time in episode six.
1: Yeah. Great riff.
0: and he seems to be throwing in some
1: yows.
0: Yeah. So it starts off with flying through the night in a beat up wagon, a mic stand up my Jaxi, which is British for your behind. It's funny to hear like a song about them reminiscing about way back when, when now this song is just as old now as as the stuff they're reminiscing about then. I know, right? You know, Coverdale found out about this song coming out. Damn, why didn't I think of writing a song about this? Blast, darlings. (laughs) Making him into a super villain. (laughs)
1: Starscream and Coverdale. (laughs) (laughs) Curses!
2: curse you!
0: (laughs) So this is like um, talking about the end of their time with episode six and the beginning of their time with Deep Purple. Uh, 69 is a huge year for them.
1: and Roger laying down that groove. It's awesome.
0: I'd say the road to Paradiso, so I don't know if he's referring to the club. I think it was in Holland where they played uh, early on. I think that was the first recording of uh, where live performance of Child in Time was there. Singing about roadies And he says Throws in hallelujah In the last line So He's referring to The recording session there solid riff. I love that riff. (laughs) Man, they keep like throwing in extra stuff there. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, they just keep dragging it out.
0: Damn. Not complaining. It's awesome. All right. What do you rank? Oh, actually, before you rank it. This one was originally titled Freight Train. Steve Morse brought it up, brought this one in as one of the first songs and they worked on it very early in the sessions in September. Uh, while working on the song, uh, the band went to see Satriani, who was playing nearby during the G- G3 tour. So hmm. it looks like that would have been um, he did. Uh, some shows in Florida for three nights in St. Petersburg, Orlando, and the new House of Blues in Fort Lauderdale. So they probably went to go see him in Orlando. Um, and that says uh, they all joined, uh, says Gillen, Glover, Pace, and Morris joined the party and Steve Morris jammed with Joe, Steve, Kenny and Robert for a superb night of guitars um, during the tracking for the organ lords leslie breaks down they get a replacement parts delivered the new parts emitted some sort of rf signal which made it impossible to place a microphone anywhere near them by the time they got the organ up and working again it was too late to get a good track um so uh they had to do it a different day and glover and darren worked on computer stuff that day so um it sounds like from reading this there's a ton of ton of problems with john's organ uh, throughout mm-hmm. this so There was a problem with John's organ during 69. All right, John, what do you rank 69? (laughs) You said (laughs) organ. I did. (laughs) I said problem.
1: You said Lord. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, All right. Um, Where are we? 69. Um, Man. um,
0: Oh. I'm having a, I'm having a a bit of a tough time rating this one. You want to pa- do you do you want to pass? I want to do the first ever pass?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think that's an option. I don't know if it does. I'm not reading this one.
0: <laughs> um, uh, it's like, like the bank what? tile I'm, in Scrabble. You can put whatever number you want there. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it a four. All right. Um,
1: I mean, I love the riff. Solid riff. Uh, Gillan sounds amazing again. Plus, he threw in a couple of like kind of a I feel like you like a couple of like born again kind of like yeah i was like yeah. right before a couple of the verses which i love um i don't really love songs that have like those kind of self-referential lyrics to like oh we're gonna sing about back when we first started you know like yeah like kickstart my heart by motley crew and all that kind of stuff it's just kind of like taking a look back, lyrics like when
0: we first started, we were playing in clubs and you know all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> we should do a, then, We should do a song like that about when we started the podcast. <laughs> John was just using earbuds, but that was all right. And then Nate bought a domain. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the most boring song ever. <laughs>
1: But, um, but I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like the song is like not too, like, it doesn't make it too obvious, you know, like when you hear like, um, uh, like, uh, what's that song? Um, like shooting star Mm, or like summer of 69 or Jack and Diane, like storytelling Uh. songs. It's just kind of like, Oh, you know, (laughs) but, um, but, I mean, this kind of had like between Gillen's vocals and kind of like the the rhythm and the way that the song was like pushing ahead um you you didn't get that sense of like, um it w- it wasn't too obvious. I guess if you like whipped out the lyric sheet and read it, you'd be, oh, okay, but um, I didn't feel like I was listening to kind of like a um like a nostalgia. This was our beginnings type of song. So, um, I would say like on the riff alone, I want to give it a four just because the the riff is like so badass, and they they did us the favor of dragging it out at the end, which
0: I, they're just doing all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, I'll give it a four as well. I really, dug, I, I, I dug this one. I think it's, it's a, like you said, a good riff. And it's interesting. You bring up that, like that whole um, motif of, of doing these like callback songs. Cause I think, everybody does it to a point and it's, it's what, what is the line where it's too much? And yeah. you know, the Beatles were known to do it in a few songs and they always just kind of threw in one line and it was like, Oh yeah, I remember that song. was <laughs> just like, Oh, the walrus was Paul. Oh, I get it. I remember that one. Um, I mean, I think that's cool
1: when you like kind of like bury an Easter egg or make yeah. a reference to something in a song instead of having the whole song be about it, whatever it is.
0: The absolute worst version of doing this that I think I've ever heard. And I can't, I can't, I don't remember the name of the song, but Megadeth did one. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, ba- back in the day. Is that what it's called? Of course. I think that's so. what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, oh, there was a conjuring and peace sold, but we didn't buy and so good, so what? And Black yeah. Friday, and I was, and it's like every line has like six song ref titles, and it's like, I get it. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: enough. Like, yeah, I know what you were going for. I think it was called back in the day. Yeah, I, but, I mean, that, that was... makes
0: perfect sense because it's like, yeah, what, what else would you call it? It's it just, it's, it's so far beyond (laughs) what anybody should have ever done. Yeah. It's probably my second least favorite Megadeth song.
1: Yeah. I would say that next to like people cheering at the end of a song as it fades out, like,
2: (laughs) "woo, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they combined that with like a whole song about a band talking about their beginnings, like that would probably be the worst song in the world for me.
0: And if it was, and if it was about the boys, then Scott would hate it too. (laughs) We'd we'd all be on board for hating. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh. But yeah, that's um yeah. But yeah, yeah, a really solid track, really good stuff. All right. So yes. the um second to last track, the penultimate track on this album, is of course a song called Evil Louie.
2: Baby, human
0: <laughs> starts off with a simple fact
1: <laughs> I feel like a, a lot of these you know past handful of songs have just like gone right into the right into the verse like not a lot of intro or yeah but it also has the same type of like same kind of pace going. It was like, dun, 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 like, yeah, they all seem to be going at the same pace.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a standard, uh, pretty similar tempos. Yeah. Yeah. Tempos. Yeah. it's interesting you kind of mix it up a little that verse but hmm. very unusual song I think when he, I like when he says come to think of it it's a load of monkeys Is <laughs> that like a phrase <laughs> 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 it's a load of monkeys oh Gillen It's funny. I'm so distracted by what I'm learning about monkeys right now that I've I've got to focus (laughs) on the song. Great organ tone, awesome solo. It's weird that this is called Evil Louie because they mentioned seemingly randomly they just say Evil Louie is tomorrow's sadness, but what does that mean? <laughs> they should have called it "Some load, load of Monkeys. Would have been the perfect lead-up to the next album, too. Right? <laughs> okay, so while the song was going, I had to look up um, load of monkeys because I was like, is this mm-hmm. a a British expression I'm not familiar with and maybe it is I don't know but um, so I looked up load of monkeys uh, and Google and the first thing that comes up is, Um, truck with 100 monkeys (laughs) crashes in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Uh, this is back in January of last year, so it wasn't too long ago. And then it says monkeys. And and then this follow-up story, monkeys on the loose in Pennsylvania after truck crash. (laughs) And then, um, and then it says, uh, this one says, what does it say? I touched everything. What does it say? I have to load this up. It's a YouTube video. I touched everything. Women experiencing symptoms after contact with escaped monkeys. <laughs> 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 then, uh, then you know, it does, does the people also ask section. It says, what happened to the monkeys that crashed in Pennsylvania? Were the escaped monkeys euthanized? Did monkeys that escaped in Pennsylvania have monkey pox? All of these like follow up. Um, uh Follow up stories about that. How did they did they find the monkeys that escaped all these people Googling these things? So um, and then the final story in February, this uh, happened in the late January, but the final story in February is questions remain after a highway crash involving monkeys. <laughs> but it sounds like um, it says all animals are accounted for after a truck carrying 100 lab monkeys uh, collides with a dump truck. So.
1: Well, that's um, that's pretty impressive that a uh, 100 monkeys are all accounted for. Yeah, that's that's a lot of monkeys
0: to count. Um to to re to wrangle. No more monkeys jumping on the bed. Mm. Man. That's it that went down a weird weird monkey hole that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um <A> monkey hole. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of uh of evil Louie?
1: Uh I wasn't um I don't know, I wasn't like a... huge fan it's just kind of sounded like a carbon copy of like many other songs that I've already heard on this album so I'm going to give it a 2.5
0: oh my goodness okay
1: yeah it just it didn't stand out Um, except for the
0: load of monkeys line which (laughs) you're like ha 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 and then it was the thing about the state of Texas was good
1: yeah I mean yeah it had some weird line but interesting Gillen lyrics in there Mm -hmm. um, but I mean I just feel like it's this, I think, is the definition of filler uh, track, in my opinion.
0: It's, um just didn't do much for me. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I, I liked it. Um, I thought it was a pretty good groove, pretty good groove to it. Um, I will say that this one was, if we can find it here, this one was, uh, uh, Glover mentions this a lot, and they considered using the demo for the album because they said they had a tough time working on it. Um, he worked on the bass in February, so it was one of the later tracks he worked on. And Gil- Gillen had a cold while he did the lyrics, but while he did the vocals, um, can't oh. really tell. But he said he did a really nice job on it despite the cold. Um, then, uh, very interesting. While they were working on, he says uh, on this track, "Evil Louis" starts coming together that night. Glover goes to see the movie Titanic again, kind of bringing in things that were going on in 1997, 1998. Uh, His review of Titanic was over three hours. The production is huge. Not surprising of $200 million. So I've never seen Titanic. Really? Yeah. Never saw the movie.
1: um, Yeah. I I mean, I'm many, many years removed from it um, because it was absolutely massive when it came out.
0: Oh, yeah, um, and
1: I had like friends that had gone to see it like two, three, four, mm-hmm. or five times in the theater, like obsessed with it, and finally, I got dragged to it. <laughs> <laughs> and because, um, you know, I had to be dragged because if it were po- if it was popular, I wasn't having it.
0: Well, I think that was the thing. I remember I worked with this guy and he was so upset. Oh, my God. Titanic is the greatest thing. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. And he went so over it. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm done already. I just don't even want to see it. <laughs> I been I haven't talked to this well, guy in like probably 25 years. But I'm all, like, I still don't even want to see it because of because of that.
1: Well, I have to say that, um, you know, when you kind of leave that kind of thing behind. Yeah. Um, like it was, it was this huge movie and everything. I mean, there was still a lot of work talent and like oh, a huge course, budget yeah. and very impressive that went into it. So it's kind of like, um, years later. And I mean, I did not feel this way about Jurassic park, but it's like Jurassic park's kind of the same thing as, is like, even after the hype has died down, I've seen like restored, like um like IMAX mm-hmm. versions of it like you know in the the past like f- say like 5 years and like even a movie from like 30 years ago and it's just like wow this is still like really good like you can see all the work that yeah. was put into it it's still really fun entertaining and and i think that um you know Titanic would be uh the same thing i think that if we watched it through that lens of like not seeing the you know the the popular movie that it was i i would guess that it would still hold up to a degree. Like it would still be at least entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll see it. Um, yeah. Maybe on your deathbed. <laughs> if you'll finally give <laughs> <Yes>. in.
0: <laughs> they roll in the, the cart. Like you had an elementary school with the TV on the top. <laughs> they put in the VHS. It's two VHS, sir.
1: <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That was the big thing about it. A two VHS set. Oh I,
0: Jesus. How long is this thing? I know like that. Godfather. There are a few movies like that, that had the two. Yeah. Um, the two, the two uh, VHS tapes. Um, okay, so um, the last track on the album is, of course, not a new song at all, uh, although the spelling is new, uh, and it is Bloodsucker. So they change up the riff a little bit in the beginning but it's spelled bloodsucker like B-L-U-D like I want to suck your blood
1: alright first of all Gillen sounds amazing yeah alright he didn't didn't hit the same note but it's okay close like he enough he get it as high as he did back uh
0: but close enough And they didn't play this the last time we saw them, but they played it with Morris the last time we saw them with Morris.
1: I can see why they would like put this on. It's got the same kind of like feel, like it sits really well on this album. Yeah, it's weird. Because they were writing really heavy riff-oriented
0: stuff like this on this album. They've only done this a couple of times. Where it's a standard White Snake move to just redo a song, but.
1: Mm. Yeah, but this isn't uh, this wasn't gonna become a radio hit anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they didn't really do much different with it. Which no, is kinda it's kind of cool. They stayed faithful to the original.
0: It makes you wonder what the rationale was. For doing a song again. Wasn't in Rogers' notes. Now, oddly, he doesn't mention anything about this in his notes. Life. Nice. Searching for information on this recording of it. And the people yeah. also ask on Google. One of the questions is, is Ian Pace the best drummer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just going to Google that. It's like, yes. Oh, okay, good. That that settles that. Okay.
1: <laughs> that settles that.
0: The next one is, who is arguably the best drummer of all time? Oh, for crying out loud. Who is one of the most insane drummers in the world? <laughs>
1: wow. Wow, he's... A- I haven't heard that voice from Gillen.
0: Mm. It's a way to end an album. Wow, blood soccer blue, blue. What, what I do beg you think? I You <laughs> remember that? You yeah, thought that was, was, was the funniest line.
1: That was, was that was, uh, actually that was
0: from Ed Wood or Ed Wood? I yeah, I beg that, well, to they, differ because yeah. <laughs> I say that yeah, all the time, even now. But I, I almost forgot what it's from. You can't remember where
1: you got it from. I just remember you thought that was the funniest thing because they, they were showing Lugosi on a. So like on some kind of program, and he's just like one of his lines is like, beg to differ, <laughs> and then he forgot his lines and he goes, Um, uh, I am Dracula. <laughs> and, like the guy got all pissed and like stormed off the set. <laughs> to and he's standing there in his fangs, like this, like, <laughs> What happened? Why is
0: everybody upset? That's great. <laughs> so, John, <laughs> what do you think about blood sucker? <laughs>
1: I give. Oh, let me. Uh, oh, geez. Hang on, I'm having a problem with this spreadsheet. The spreadsheet. <laughs> <The, the> spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm I fumbling with the spreadsheet. Blue. All right, <laughs> that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure nobody is interested. So, um, yeah, i i gave um, I gave the original a four, and I'm giving the remake a four.
0: Ah, that's why you're fumbling with the spreadsheet.
1: Yes. I, well, I, I wanted to make sure that I was, that I remembered my ratings probably. There was, I, there's no way that I gave the original blood sucker any less than a four, no. but um, I would say this one was a pretty faithful um rendition of the original and they all sounded really great. And for some, like for some weird reason, it's like, it, it, it kind of had that, like, I, I think it tied together for the, for um the album like the sound of it was very in rock i think yeah and that's why i think that this um this album maybe resonated was it had that not the not the same kind of dated production but that really kind of heavy sound and production that in rock had and that's why I think that um in a different way in a more updated way but this didn't sound like the the new updated you know like bloodsucker ninety six
0: or (laughs) like was it the um anthraxid like I'm the man uh 95 or something or 92 or whatever they, whenever they redid shit. it he's like yeah. yeah boy remember that two minutes joke song we did we're gonna make it five minutes long it's gonna be really annoying <laughs> it's like totally cashing in <laughs> let's twist oh. again like we did last summer <laughs> you oh, know, God, just, I hate that shit there's nothing worse than a sequel to a song it's like come
1: on oh. The only thing that I thought they was successfully done was Shout at the Devil ninety seven, Motley Crue. I don't think I ever heard it. Yeah. It it was pretty good. They they like um Was they, that with Karabi? Kind of, no, that was the um that was the post Karabi album. That's when Vince came back to the band and He's they were like, all right, let's do it
0: again, boys.
1: But they, but they, I guess they started to write the album with karabi and it was really kind of like late nineties, kind of like industrial nine inch nails ish sounding and <laughs> <laughs> basically Vince Neil came in and Vince Neil'd all over the album. And it just was a weird mishmash of <laughs> Vince Neil'd all over. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really, it was an odd album, but that I felt was a successful uh, kind of reworking of that song. Cause it was, it was really heavy and it was really driving, but this I think stayed true to the original yeah, this and isn't like a, heaviness. And, but
0: this isn't a rehash. This is actually like yeah. basically just, a cover, no, not, I don't yeah, know exactly. if you call a cover Gillen, when four of the original guys from it are on it, but yeah, and, you know. and
1: like Gillen wasn't like trying to like sing like uh like bef- behind or in front of the beat and do different stuff with his vocal inflections, he was basically trying to do all the same stuff. It was like, yeah, boy, Bloodsucker <laughs> <laughs> <You> 96. <know? laughs> so,
0: we're coming uh, to yeah. you straight out of Orlando, Florida, boy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That would have
0: been great. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Glover with the big clock around his neck. That would have been great if there was like a rap breakdown in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> or Glover's just behind him, like the hype man, just going like this, and Gillen's got you know got that like silver suit on.
1: <laughs> John Lord has the one
4: gold tooth.
0: <laughs> who would do the rap uh, breakdown would it be a member of Deep Purple would they have like a special guest they're just like bringing Busta Rhymes or something (laughs) (laughs) Ice Tea.
1: oh great oh okay Those. that's um that was fun all right anyways (laughs) (laughs) about things that could have gone wrong with the song but luckily yeah
0: (laughs) too bad they didn't consult us we could have had some really great ideas for them um so did you give a rating i will give it a four as well i i believe Mm. i also gave the original a four if i remember correctly but because i I remember like after the episode thinking why didn't i give that a five because i Mm. i love like this one of my all-time favorite mark ii tracks love it i think the original is just uh, that's probably my favorite track on um on in rock uh yeah. so i would uh i would say that this is really good i love i love any any version of the song or hearing it for any reason um mm-hmm. and i think they do a great job of it i loved hearing them do it live um because it's not really one of their you know hits it's not it's something that if you know right. the people that are going there to hear smoke on the water and space truck and might not even be super familiar with that song because they might just know the the more popular ones it, not not that it's a hugely deep cut by any it's on one of their biggest albums but um you know it's not the number one song people link to the band but but uh, right. yeah i love it i think it's a great track and i think they do a good job of it um yeah so there you go that's in part two and um Ew. Hey, oh, Um, before we get to the next part, there is a uh, 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 another studio update that is uh, that is labeled the third studio update. It's actually the fourth. It's really interesting because in this tour guide at the end of the tour guide, they're like, oh, we incorrectly called it the third one and the, the second one. I'm like, so why didn't they change it? But I think these are probably things he just posted online. So they kept it verbatim and then afterwards corrected what number studio update they are, but not that it really matters. Anyway, Glover says, the album is done, sort of. It's not really done until it's in your sweaty hands, of course, when there's not a chance in hell we can fiddle with it some more, at least not with current technology. I suspect that at least some of it is palatable, if not downright edible. Once again, partially single-handedly, Darren Schneider did an heroic job, as did our families for putting up with us. A big thank you to them. There are several titles for the album, all of which turned out to be abandoned. As of this writing, I cannot confirm how many tracks there are, except to say it's more than one and two together. A month, uh, a month, the song title, among the song titles are Seventh Heaven, Any Fool Know That, Almost Human, Watching the Sky, Jack Ruby, Fingers to the Bone, uh, And does your chewing gum lose its flavor in the bed on the bedpost overnight? One of those is a red herring put in for no other reason than to confuse me. As with most albums around, which I've been revolved, this one has had its shares of snakes and ladders in between the pinnacles. There have been inversions, diversions, new versions, delays, rallies, volleys, objections, inspections, rejections, thin skins, thick skins, drum skins, milliseconds, second hands, second thoughts, picnics, nitpicks. Worn picks, rages, cages, mazes, tears of joy, tears of defeat, tears of trousers, successes, excesses, big messes, lost keys, hammond keys, wrong keys, first takes mistakes, high stakes, battles, kettles, bottles, delusions, exclusions, tea infusions. Spare parts, private parts, extra parts, sore fingers, sore throats, seesaws, headaches, headphones, (laughs) headcapes, and all of the fun of the fair. I get to have the special jacket removed soon. Good luck, ASCII WINK RG. So you milked that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, um, so I think we should go on to our next section here, uh, while you, fumble with the spreadsheet i will thank our next section of patrons um at the $7.77 keep it warm rat tier we have michael vader at the $6.99 the new nice price tier we have spike the rock cat and sugar tea at the episode $6.66 tier we have steve coldwell arthur smith anton glaving and charles meadows at the $6.65 almost evil tier we have kenny wymore michael bagford at the $5.99, the nice price tier, we have Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Carl Helberg. At the 60kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Zwapper the electric alchemist. Uh um, Wait, did I miss somebody? Oh um, sorry. But- and Newt Martin Johansson. <laughs> At the $5.55 What's Going On Here tier, we have Richard Fusey. And at the $5 Money Lender tier, John Carvery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi The Perfect Stranger, Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zerns, Cynthia Duby, and Raf Kaff. Thank you to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. So that means we go on to the next section, of course, which is ready for John to bust out the spreadsheet. All right, John, where does Deep Purple Abandon fall well, in the in the I, echelon of albums? Well, first of all, I did more than fumble with the spreadsheet. I
1: fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> like I moved I moved a whole row of ratings over
0: to a different column. Somehow. Oh, no. Control Z. Control Z. <laughs> I, can you do it? Well, no, I don't think I can. I think you have to do it because you uh, are you on like, your phone?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Wait.
0: There we go.
1: I I was like, how did I move a whole chunk of ratings over to this column?
0: Oh, shit. I don't know. It was a mess, though. Yes, it was. Well,
1: thank (laughs) you. Thank you for, you know, like, John, just hit that little round arrow going backwards. Ah, there we go. Um, So, abandon, abandon, uh, it it falls a little bit lower. Um, I would say, like, the, the lower third of our ratings. Um, I mean, there were some, some bright moments on here, but there were also some that, you know, I, I would say, you know, were probably very average. Um, so it falls, um, falls between, um, Bobby Harrison's Funkist mm-hmm. and Deep Purple self-titled. Mm, interesting. Which, um, yeah, Funkist got a little, just a teensy bit more than, uh. Now that's abandoned. a bump
0: from me though. Cause I was hot on that and you weren't. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: that certainly didn't come from me. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a little, um, it's a little down there. And I, I think that that's just indicative of it. Um, just, uh, like I said before being a, an album that had some, uh, some good, some good stuff on it and some, you know, maybe not so good stuff that, you know, it didn't really, um, you know, connect with, with us as much, but I, I would say, Overall, it's a really cool-sounding album. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't um, copy Perpendicular. Um, yeah. In in terms of like this the the sound, um, like the sound, the production was just like it's really heavy, very riff-oriented. Um, like I said, I would say like like Gillan and Gillan and Morris were like two of the standouts on this because Gillen sounded great, mm-hmm. and um, I think like almost all of Morris's solos were like really, really good. Um, I enjoyed them. Um, but, um, yeah, I would say that it was maybe the nature of the songwriting overall, and like maybe the arrangements that kind of threw me a little because the, you know, they all kind of had a similar tempo. They all kind of did that slow down thing in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of songs just didn't like, just bam, went right into the, into the verse without any kind of like intro or you know, letting the riff go for a few bars uh, type of thing, which was, it was a little jarring um, to me. So I think that the maybe that's what kept it from being a, like from a, a good album to a great album. And I think it's a solid album. It's good. I would, I would listen again. Like there's probably, a, you know, those handful of standout tracks that I like.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I've always liked, I've always thought this got unfairly, uh, I don't want to say demonized. That's probably a little too extreme, but um, un- unfairly criticized uh, mm. for, for what it is, because I think it's a really solid album. I just, it, it was following a really a really strong album, so that's always difficult. Um, but yeah, I've always liked it. So, um, all right. So that's the uh, that's our ratings. But uh, what did the reviews say about this album when it came out? Well, in Darker Than Blue, issue fifty one. May 1999. Uh, I believe this is Simon uh, Robinson writing this. But he writes, um, uh, I loved Perpendicular. Not all the tracks worked, but overall there was such a spirit of unleashed creativity and freedom... That you couldn't help but be swept along by it. Deep down, I wasn't hugely convinced by Abandon to begin with. It seemed powerful, well-performed, and hugely energetic, but lacked some of the sense of fun and freedom, which had been the hallmark of Perpendicular. What I'd missed on those early listens was just how well the loose, almost free-form structures of which tracks like Roses and Ted had been built have now been tightened and developed into a whole new charging rock and roll beast upon which much of Abandon tries to hi- tries to ride in some ways perhaps i'm not even sure the band themselves have worked out how to harness what they've let loose and there are times when a few awkward or just plain cliche uh cliched bars creep in to spoil the effect and it was these which stuck out like a sore thumb in the first few plays it finally dawned on me that deep purple were at times being pushed uh i'm sorry were at times Pushing rock to boundaries, which hitherto I felt were only being challenged by some of the best of the industrial tracks I've been into the last few years by outfits like Nine Inch Nails Ministry and Skinny Puppy. Skinny Puppy, well, I don't remember them. No. <laughs> no? no. Who's, who's Skinny Puppy? I don't know. I don't know. I just remember the name. I don't know anything about him. I don't um, That same loud, finely distilled adrenaline rush is also present in several places on Abandon. Any fool know that sets the tone with a grungy keyboard and guitar, which provides a dense layer of power, augmented by the swing of drummer Ian Pace. Overall, Gillen's vocals cut through like a knife. Stick your finger in your ear indeed. But take it only at four minutes and 20 seconds. Chicken. Too short. They try a similar approach on Almost Human, but the mix lets it down, particularly on the drums, which don't come through clearly enough. The track came totally into focus at live shows, and the result of the studio now seems a bit more than a blueprint. Uh, So he goes through kind of all the the tracks, and then at the end, he says... uh, Gillen is one hell of a lucky guy and and revels in the situation. There is a totally unexpected middle eight, and once Lord Morris, a gel, bending notes together, blah, blah, blah. Um... Okay, I definitely concur with many people's opinions that this isn't an easy album to get into, nor is it so instantly memorable as the previous offering, relying more on sheer energy than hook lines to win you over. It takes patience and a lot of volume. That alone will limit it somewhat. It's by no means perfect, but I'm glad I gave it more time before trying to gather my thoughts, as I'm sure the review wouldn't have been so positive if I hadn't. So I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, I would
1: say that, that that kind of sounds like they're basically saying what what we said is, is that it's a it's a pretty powerful, heavy sounding album. But I think he kind of hit the nail on the head whereas it's like it's not as it's not as good as perpendicular. Like it seemed to be like in there, they they seem to have this this renewed energy. And then this album, they it seemed to be a little more um Um, I don't know, intentional what they were trying to do when they were going for heavier. Yeah. um, Which um, I guess if you compare them side by side, uh, you know, um, I think one kind of, um, you know, um, wins out over the other one a little bit, but it's, um, you know, still, still a good album that, that deserves a chance. It's like, not, not a bad album at all.
0: No, not by any means. Um, allmusic.com. Abandoned review by Stephen Thomas Erlewine. Uh, Deep Purple continued cranking out new albums into the late '90s, despite diminished audiences and little attention from the media. But as long as they continue to satisfy their hardcore fans, those factors didn't matter. Abandoned should satisfy those fans. Granted, the band isn't as young and energetic as they once were, but they are willing to try new material, which can't be said about other aging hard rockers from the '70s. The addition of guitarist Steve Morse has revitalized the band and he sounds um more a part of the band than he did on his debut Perpendicular. Abandon is a hard rocking album that it's uh, a harder rocking album than its predecessor, but there's a number of layers to their rock as they occasionally stretch into challenging neo-prog territory. But the main thing about the album is that it hits hard and heavy, harder than any Deep Purple album in recent memory, and that makes a welcome revelation. For hardcore followers, three out of five stars. Hmm. And then uh, we have this Goldmine magazine. See if I can see. And Jeff Bryce sent this one over. Um, I seem to have broken it. Let's see. Here we go. Um, Okay, so it's it's talking a little bit about the live at the Olympia, Um, and then it goes into. Heck, is it? Perpendicular found a re energized Deep Purple free of the apparent stress. The double CD live at the Olympia. Finally, we get to 1998's Abandon, the second studio effort from the Morse era Deep Purple. While it's a solid hard rock album with few standout tracks, it's definitely a few notches below perpendicular. Mainly due to the lack of variety in the songwriting, nearly every cut is a mid-tempo hard rock riff song. Some songs, such as She Was and What's Her Name, are strong, stomping numbers, and a few others, such as Seventh Heaven and Watching the Sky, have semi-progressive melodic sections. But the basic tunes are all mid-tempo rockers. Many of Deep Purple's classics have been fast numbers, Speed King," Fireball, Burn, and even the last album's Hey Cisco." But with the sole exception of the slightly faster-than-the-other 69, there isn't a single killer up-tempo track among Abandon's 12 selections. Neither is there anything like Perpendicular's acoustic Celtic flavored The Aviator uh, to give the album some variety. Even worse, there are a few out-and-out weak songs, such as the dull blueser Don't Make Me Happy and the Blando Jack Ruby. Arguably, the two best cuts are Fingers to the Bone, which recall some of very similar melodies from Perpendicular Sometimes I Feel Like Screaming, and The Aviator... And opener, any fool know that, that borrows a riff almost identical to In Rock's Bloodsucker. Um, any fool know that, really? I don't hear that. Mm. Um, I think Bloodsucker was almost identical to Bloodsucker. Um, and speaking of that classic, the album closes with a remake oddly entitled Bloodsucker. This is a great song because the original song was a great song, but it doesn't add anything or surpass the original. Um, should have been left for a B-side or a Japanese Bonus cut. After the one two punch of Perpendicular and Live at the Olympia, I guess the band can't be forgiven for the just okay abandon, but hopefully next time around, they'll spend a bit more time writing some stronger, more varied material. So I would agree on the redo <clears throat> of Bloodsucker because I think it's good. It's really good. It's based on a good song, so why wouldn't it be? But my main question is just why? Right. (laughs) If you're going to do it, you know, like when Gillen did Child in Time with Ian Gillen band, it was like, okay, this is something he's created something completely different. If he had just changed the lyrics, you wouldn't even know it was based on the same song. But when they do this and it's so close to the original, I I'm I appreciate it. I enjoy listening to it, but I don't understand why you would do it.
1: And I mean, that's that's one uh, journal entry that would have been very useful yeah, if Roger Glover exactly.
0: had said anything about it. What was the, yeah, what was the conversation that happened that prompted this?
1: Yeah, like I, I feel like uh, uh, that, I mean, does that exist or do you have like the, all of his journals? I mean, there might be an that? interview
0: with him somewhere that I, I mean, could dig yeah, up, but, that, but, but uh, as far as on that. Um, I mean, that, that, that was released or that
1: you have, yeah. I mean, that's it? Yeah, that's it. I just find it really interesting because that would be the one that you would probably want, like, the most explanation about. It's like, why did they redo this, you know, 20 at the time, what, 25-ish year old song or, yep. you know, and like no insight about it whatsoever.
0: We nope. can only yeah, guess. It, it just kind of shows up on the album.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless like, of course, if somebody out there knows, or like you said, if there was an interview about why they did it,
0: which I'm sure if somebody must have asked them. Somebody um, somewhere, yeah, have to dig it up, or if somebody knows out there what it is, let us know. yeah. Um, okay, um well, with that, uh, we we got uh, one more little thing to do before we close things out. Merchandising Merchandising. come, I'll show you. open up this door. <laughs> All right, Jeff Bryce was nice enough of course to do to send over some scans once again. Got some great uh, great stuff here and um uh, well, first off, uh, right behind me, you can probably see this beautiful um promo that's kind of in the, the size and format of a vinyl album cover and this uh, other ad behind it. Those were sent to us by Rich. Um several years ago, he sa- he sent me a little treasure trove of some of his his stuff, so it's really cool. Um right. Yeah, really cool to to, to dig through that and, and get get into some of the abandoned stuff. It's really really nice. Um, I actually put that that one behind it. Uh, that's the ad in in a frame. Um, so I added to my many many. I have a lot of things in frames that I just kind of swap out on that stand behind me for for episodes. But I, I'm out of wall space, so I've got just a stack of posters and frames and things yeah. over here that I don't have wall space for. I do in the other room, but I'm like I don't record the show in the other room. It's just my kids play PlayStation in there. Um, OK, so this is like a little uh, a little card, a little uh, promo card for for the uh, uh, for the album. Um, that's the front and uh, that's the back there. It's, you know, the new album available now at local record stores or order by phone. <laughs> it's funny to order by phone. Wow. let's <laughs> call them up. Boop, 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 boop. Hey, I'd like to order this album. <laughs> I'd, like so order I'd like to order Abandon. I'd like to order Abandon, please. Please Hold. Um, all major credit cards accepted. And then there's a there, there's a website down digit. below, but this is like before e-commerce was even really, mm. I mean, it was around, but it was very rare. So most people yeah. wouldn't do it. You ever like encounter people now that still won't shop online? Oh, I don't trust it. <laughs> do you ever? Um, you know Every... what? Oca-
1: occasionally there is, there is the, I mean, they're really old. That's pretty much it. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't trust it. I don't want to put my credit card in that computer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the meantime, it's just like, oh yeah. Let me. They they automatically deduct it from my checking account. It's like, see, you're already on there, you dummy.
0: So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, those are the same people. Like, I love like people in that generation that'll sometimes be like, how come? I- I've met people like this too. Like, oh, I gotta go to the bank and cash my check for work. I was like, why don't you set up direct deposit? Oh, well, it's just easier this way. I'm like, it is objectively not easier to have to go to the bank and deposit yourself. Well, you know, I, you know, I just, I like to do, go do it myself. I'm like, I do not know why you would like to do that, but more power. Because to they,
1: because they don't want to go through the trouble of trying to have to figure out, like, how do you set up direct deposit? <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's easier to not set it up, but once you set it up, oh man. Well, I mean, dude. I mean, once you set up, I mean, it takes like what, like ten minutes of of your life to do it once, and then you uh, your check is just deposited automatically, like every time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, for my job now, I set up direct deposit like <laughs> over nineteen years ago, and haven't had to touch it since. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, it's, it was pretty easy. I gotta say. Um, Okay, so then also he sent this, uh, which is uh, another one of these kind of vinyl-sized abandoned uh, things. It says, also available Deep Purple Perpendicular. And they've got the little uh, photo of that on there. A record, CMC International. So, um, And I think that's part of the reason this is CMC is why a couple of these albums aren't available on streaming. Uh, I'm sure there's some sort of rights issues, um, but I don't know too much about it. Um, there is a – this is – a Don't make me happy promo CD made in Holland uh, for the 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 it's got the edit the radio edit and the album version of the song um, and then this is the that's the cover for it we have the rap version <laughs> you know the remix the remix with a uh, human beatbox <laughs> Deep Purple featuring the human beatbox. <laughs> Uh, uh, so there's that. Then I'm gonna skip through that article that we just went through. This is the what's her name CD promo. What's her name? What's her name? That looks like Night Court. <laughs> is that Night Court? <laughs> and then you got that guy. It looks like he's um up on the top of that building diving, but he's very large compared to the building.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless that's like. The
0: the motion, you know what I mean, like the uh, maybe capture them like the, in motion, his, see his hands in his arm, but that's that's got to be the same building as Night Court. Maybe. Boom boom. Boom 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 boom. That's for Roger playing that one. <laughs> <laughs> um. There you go from the new album Amanda. so some pretty cool merch. Uh there wasn't too much merch for this one. There were like those promo cards and stuff but not a not a ton of stuff mm-hmm. like maybe in some other albums. Um I didn't mention uh, previously the album of the year uh ranked uh there's 60 critics critic scores and 44 user, user scores. Um they ranked the top hard rock albums of 1998 and this album was ranked 10. Number ten, of, of the number one hard of the of the of the hard rock albums from uh, nineteen ninety eight. So there you go, and some of the albums. So the top album, I don't know if this is ranked by, yeah, I think this is ranked by score. Monster mm-hmm. Magnet was the number one. <laughs> I forgot about remember, them. Remember them? Local H. I forgot about them too. Wow. Okay. And then and an interesting, uh, uh, Joe Satriani, Crystal Planet was number three. Hmm. Metallica Garage Inc. at number five. Okay. Kid Rock at number six. Devil Without a Cause. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiss Psycho Circus, number seven. Mm.
3: <laughs> and, I mean,
0: then, and then Clu- Clutch, The Elephant Riders, and Godsmack Godsmack wow at number nine. And then number 10. And then number 11, Van Halen 3. Wow. This is a very timely list.
1: I'm just like you know what i mean it's it's very um this is a very 90 what is it 1998 1998 yep yeah there's a very 1998 list a lot of these albums you're just in, or bands you're like oh ugh, <laughs> uh, mm.
0: <laughs> well it's interesting to hear like the, the, the to see the ones that you know like monster Magnet Local monster magnet and local h there's also a band i didn't mention backyard babies never heard of them even at the time mm. um well you know metallica obviously still hanging in there joe satriani Kiss, uh, but is max still around? They probably are.
1: Uh, I don't
0: know. But you know, then motor, there's a Motorhead album, so they're obviously defunct, and uh, Van Halen is over, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's interesting. Album of the year, done. also, Motorhead. none of these bands like
1: best albums.
0: No, well, it was the best albums of 1998, yeah So, I mean, when you're wow. talking about bands like Deep Purple and Kiss Or that have been around for a long time You're, you're getting, uh, well, wow. you know, you're getting albums that are a little more, uh, whatchamacallit uh, Well, not, I would not say quite I as... would listen to
1: Abandon before I listen to Psycho Circus
0: Um, yeah, most likely
1: I might listen to Monster Magnet before I listen to
0: Psycho Circus <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay. So it is that time, of course, to uh, thank our foundation level patrons uh, coming in at the three pound aromatic tier. Sorry, aromatic feed tier. We have Simon Ford at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier. We have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk at the what is it? What do we have here? What's the next tier? Uh, The Nobody's Perfect tier, of course. We have none other than Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Stuart McCord. Then we have Ivan Fjeldbu. Runar Siemenson. It's a great
2: life. You know
0: we can. It's a- JJ Stenard. Ruinous inadequacies. John Maselli. A C. What did you get a C in?
2: Sex education? <laughs> <laughs>
0: C's good. <laughs> and what an idiot. <laughs> you
1: didn't even know. It's like, you need to get a better grade than that because it's... Yeah, I would think a better you know, grade would needed. be good, but... Well, yeah, you'd, you'd be more... Ah, whatever. <laughs> I know where he was going with that. He's okay, good. That means you won't have sex. Ho-ho-y-ho.
0: Hey, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, oh, oh hey, hey. At the $1.71 I want my own tier tier, we have... Rich Young Wee. <laughs> Shayla, who the hell is that?
1: Something that'll make you rich.
0: All right. Then we have at the 10-kroner tier, Karsten Lau. At the one-pound tier, Lord Longford. At the $1 made-up name tier, we have the I Got 69 Problems But A Leak Ain't One, Leaky Mausoleum. Stephen Somerville, the concerto 1999 fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ash and Lionel, Blackmore Tights. Oh, my goodness. I forgot. <laughs> Blackmore Tights. And Steve Down to Earth Kohler, thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Um, all right. We did it. Another Deep Purple okay, we did album in the can. Unbelievable. Yeah. How do we do it? Uh, it's... Uh... <laughs> sheer sheer gumption, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> sheer gumption. It's got to be it. Mm. Oh, yeah, we were
1: almost ready to abandon this episode.
0: Yes, but uh, but this one worked out better than the last one, so maybe we've oh, God, yeah. figured out these problems. Much easier.
1: much easier than part one.
0: Yes. To record. All right, hopefully that that's all in the past. All right, my mm-hmm. friend. Well... We'll see you next week. We'll get into another subject. But what will it be? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week to find out. All right. Thank you, John. Have a great night. Peace out, homie. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Deep Purple Podcast coming to you in 23. Yeah. Boy. Boy. <laughs> boy. Blood sucker <laughs> in the house. Hey, right. Wiggity, wiggity, wiggity. <laughs> we're embarrassing ourselves (laughs) alright have a good night my friend bye thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast if you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future please donate on Patreon to support the show you can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show you can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. <laughs> like, why was he so mean to the cab driver? Like, because the cab driver was racist. They're like, okay, that's fine then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, with these casual swearing is okay
0: in the face of racism. Exactly, as we as, as we like all know. Mr. Lenny Kravitz had enough of that cab driver's shit. I mean, she's good.
2: <laughs>
0: I beg to her.
5: Sixty-nine dudes. And believe it or not, police in rural Pennsylvania are asking residents to look out for monkeys on the loose. That's after a truck carrying about 100 monkeys crashed into a dump truck Friday. Now, no people were injured, but authorities say four monkeys escaped. Two have been contained in a, small, in a small area, but two others remain on the loose and frigid temperatures. The monkeys were being driven to a lab in Florida.
1: There is an update now to a story from central Pennsylvania. This one involves monkeys on the loose after a crash we're not making this up there were a hundred monkeys on a truck that crashed of those monkeys got loose according to police and this morning all but one of the monkeys have been located officials say no one should attempt to look for or capture the animal the crash happening in Danville Montour County along Route 54 just last night <laughs>
4: We begin tonight with a most unusual search near Danville. The search is for some monkeys that managed to escape a truck involved in a crash while en route to a lab. WBRE 28, WYOU 22, Eyewitness News reporter Madonna Mantione joins us live in Valley Township with the very latest. Good evening, Madonna.
3: Good evening, Mark. Four of those monkeys got loose this afternoon after a truck hauling about 100 of them crashed here on Route 54 near the Danville exit of Interstate 80. Now, state police and the Game Commission are still on scene, but this story prompted a local animal loving family to help. When word got out that these three-pound monkeys were on the loose in Danville Friday night, the Allen family sprang into action.
0: We just decided to come and try, see if we could find one.
3: These Montoursville residents are animal lovers and drove half an hour to search the woods along Route 54 just off Interstate I-80. That's the spot where state police and game wardens search for the primates.
0: I saw it on Facebook and actually it started as kind of a family fun joke about just making an experience and going to try to save a monkey. So I actually brought a kettle, flashlights, night vision goggles.
3: The bitter cold did not deter their efforts to lend a hand. And so we were worried because um, my one friend is
5: a state police officer, and she's like, you know, they can't be out there that long. So we were like, oh no.
3: The Allen family wasn't able to find any of the monkeys, but they might consider adopting one in the future. Me and my dad saw on um, an app that we have that like people have pet monkeys, so we really wanted to get one. Now, game wardens have not yet said if any of the monkeys have been located. But if you do spot one, they are asking the public to keep a distance and call 911, Mark.
4: Now, earlier, Madonna, you and I were talking, and you said you heard some noises coming from the woods. Could you describe what exactly you heard?
3: Yeah, Mark, we heard about three very loud pops coming from this wooded area. Now, we don't know what that was or if it was related to the search, but we will keep you updated both on air and online as this developing story progresses.
4: And also, Madonna, do we know what the plans are for the search going forward if they don't find the monkeys in the next hour or so?
3: Well, it's very cold out here tonight, Mark, but we don't know if that plays a factor into the search or if they will be searching tomorrow. Right when we get off this live, we're going to ask officials again to get the updated word.
4: All right, Madonna, Matt reporting live for us tonight near Danville. Obviously, the sooner those monkeys are found, the better.
5: a bizarre story involving the crash of a trailer full of monkeys headed to a lab and a woman now experiencing health problems after coming in close contact with the primates. The woman says she has been put on preventative medicine for the next two weeks, but there are some questions tonight into what these monkeys were being used for and what they could have been infected with.
2: Down in Warren, the top.
5: Michelle Fallon never thought something like this would happen. I thought, well, zoo monkeys, you know, I didn't know these were animal test monkeys. After witnessing a crash on a Pennsylvania highway and stopping to help, she learned the truck was carrying 100 monkeys from East Africa, headed for a Missouri test lab. I thought they were, like, okay, like they had their shots, they're good, they've been checked. I didn't know they could have diseases or whatever. After checking to make sure the driver was okay, she went up to the trailer full of crates thinking there were cats inside.
3: They had this like green cloth over, so I peel up back and I go to stick my finger in there to try to pet it and it pops its head up, and I'm like, oh, it's a
5: monkey. Three of the monkeys escaped in the crash and one was recovered. Two others were put down. But the hours long escape forced health officials to issue an alert, warning the community not to come into close contact with the primates because the species commonly spreads herpes virus B. I'm
0: like, well, I was there
5: touched everything that alert leaving michelle on edge and unsure of what to do her close contact later leading to pink eye and flu-like symptoms
3: i walked through their poop i touched their face i tried to pet them so now i don't know what's going on
5: as a precaution michelle has now received her first rabies vaccination and has been prescribed antiviral medication as doctors continue to monitor her symptoms The location of the CDC quarantine facility where these monkeys were headed and the type of research that they were going to be used for has not been released, but this type of monkey is often used in medical studies.